think of yourself as a bitter person? Welcome to the Parable Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Zapchank. And today I'd love to share with you one of my most recent messages from our home church, Westridge. As you will hear this story, it really connected so many dots and through lines of the Bible for me. It was awesome. And so I am very happy to share it with you today. Please enjoy. When we pray, it's easy for us to wonder, does this matter? Are my words meaningful enough? And does God have time to even listen? Or is it possible for prayer to move the heart of God? We are in chapter two of the book of Jonah, and last week Greg shared about how God wanted Jonah to go tell a group of people about God. And he chose not to listen, and he ran from God's request. I have a vivid memory of helping with Vacation Bible School because I was one of those people that kind of knew the watered-down version of Jonah. I remember taking a group of like sweaty six-year-olds in this tent that we had covered with so many blankets so it was nice and dark. And then somebody had the grand idea of opening up three cans of tuna, you know, just to have the the scent wafting through the air. So that's what I remembered. And until I started reading the book of Jonah a couple weeks ago, I realized Jonah, he is unloving and ungracious, stubborn, and someone who acts like a selfish child. This description didn't fit with what I believed a prophet of God to be like. This book is interesting because it is a prophetic book of the Bible, and prophetic just means a spokesperson that shares God's truth. And in Jonah, it's about the prophet and his circumstances. And so this book is kind of meant to mess with us. It's a chance for us to look in the mirror and see the same features that are in Jonah are exactly the same in us. Are we talking to God when we need a favor? Is our heart posture fully open to this amazing God? Have we resorted God to being this genie in a bottle? Spouting off empty promises that we promise to God that we're never really gonna live up to. And when we get in over our head and the waves come crashing down, will he still be there listening? Will our desperate prayers from the belly of the beast move the heart of God? I think that song, it brings up what many of our prayers can feel like. Like, hey God, if you just do this, God, I promise this. I've been there too, hoping that if God just does this one thing, all of a sudden it's gonna get better, right? And then I can take it from here. Prayers that move the heart of God come from a posture of growth and realization and shifting our perspective to be more like God's. And the hard truth is, it's gonna be uncomfortable. So I'd like to share a couple themes that stood out to me through chapter two, which really is just Jonah's prayer to God. 
The kind of prayer that moves the heart of God, the first one is that when we truly look inward at our own hearts, while Jonah is sitting inside this giant fish that swallowed him whole, he has some time to think and really nowhere to go. He says, I beckoned the eternal to hear and he answered me. From the belly, the place of death, I cried out to you. And you have responded to my voice. You threw me into the watery depths and cast me into the middle of the chaotic seas. The waters closed in around me and your waves broke over me. Your surf swelled as I sank into the depths. I think most of us know what it's like to have the water feel uh, like it's surrounding us. Growing up, our local pools had these little plastic badges that you had to do like this deep water test. Has anyone ever had that? Okay, thank you, because no one had it in first service and I felt like such a weirdo. Um, Anyways, in Wisconsin, we had these little badges that signified that you were skilled enough that you could go into the deep end, um, and they were highly coveted. You know, you gotta get on those diving boards. And you could attach them with a safety pin, which seems a little concerning, or your mom or dad, they could sew them directly onto your suit. It's like a badge of honor. Um, So we went to so many pools as a kid, and so I had to do this test like four, five, six times, and you had to be able to jump off the diving board, swim so far out, and then tread water for what felt like, to me, 30 minutes. And the first couple of times, I was in the water and I just felt like, as I was treading, my arms and my legs, they began to burn, and my chest tightened from exhaustion. And I could just kind of feel my chin dip further and further underneath the surface until I just couldn't do it anymore, and the water just washed over me. As I popped back up on the surface, the lifeguard said, hey, maybe next time. And defeated, I went back to the shallow end like a loser, desperately wishing I could be the cool kids with this awesome badge on their suit. We can understand what it feels like to be overwhelmed when we are cast into the deep end where our life feels chaotic. And it just doesn't feel like we are ever going to stop treading water. Agony and desperation, they become our familiar friends. And while we may not be in a fish, we have been swallowed up and we are on the inside of our problem or our circumstance. We can feel like the verse says, from the belly, the place of death, I cried out to you. We have to think about where Jonah is. He is on the inside of a fish at the lowest point emotionally for him, and also physically, he is under the sea. Sometimes, as cruddy as it is, we need to be on the inside of our circumstance so it allows us to change our perspective. So our prayer moves the heart of God. Think about it. If everything is going swimmingly, see what I did there? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In our lives, if everything's going just right, God kind of takes a back seat. There's nothing really that we need to worry about. And obviously, I must be doing a really great job keeping everything on track. But when I'm at my weakest, there's sure a difference. We can act selfishly, and we just kind of wallow in this pity. Or we can take the time to really look inward. Is it possible? 
that God wants us to sit in a situation for a while so we can adjust our perspective, so we can knock down some of those walls of ego and just sit in humility. Jonah was in there for three days. And after a time of being uncomfortable and feeling desperate and just like tight on all sides, he definitely had some time to process. We see in verse two, from the belly, the place of death, I cried out to you. And the Hebrew word used for the place of death here is sheol. And it's transliterated as grave or pit. It's described as dark and joyless. And that is pretty much the modern day version of rock bottom for Jonah. I don't believe God wants us to experience this, but he knows that we too are just gonna be just like Jonah, that we are going to be refusing his commands for our lives and so he allows it for us to learn. We process the reality of where we are on the inside of our problem and after a while, if we are willing, a shift can happen in our hearts. We can get so caught up with what we thought should happen, or we believe this is the only way this should have gone. So maybe, just maybe, it's a time to shift our perspective towards his. Jonah goes on to pray, and he says this. I've been driven out from before your very eyes. Still I know I will gaze again on your holy temple. The water swallowed me, the deep abyss was covering over me, seaweeds were wrapped around my head, trapping me as I sank down to where the mountains are rooted to the earth. I went down to the place where death's gate would lock me in forever, yet you lifted me up from the pit. Eternal one, you are my God, only as my life was fading away did I remember. Jonah felt like he was separated from God, wondering, are you still there? Even though he felt banished by him, God was still with him. And Jonah, he could have sunk all the way into death at the bottom of the sea. But the last verse says, yet. And as a reader, we need to remember that's our connecting verse to help us know that God, he never left Jonah's side. And he doesn't leave ours. What kind of prayer moves the heart of God? It's one that remembers that God is there. And it's easy to feel like we are all by ourselves, right? Our enemy loves to make us feel like we are alone and insecure and question, is God still there? Because if we're going through troubles or hardship, surely he's forgotten us. We've been cast aside. I was reminded of the promise that God makes with us that is found in Psalm 139. It's seven through 12, it was written by David. And listen to the similarities of what's happening in David's prayer and in Jonah's. Can I go anywhere apart from your spirit? Is there anywhere I can go to escape your watchful presence? If I go up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the realm of the dead, Sheol, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I make my home in the most isolated parts of the ocean, even then you will be there to guide me, your right hand will embrace me, for you are always there. Even if I'm afraid and I think to myself, there is no doubt that this darkness will swallow me, 
The light around me will soon be turned to night. You can see in the dark, for it is not dark to your eyes. It's such a cool contrast to see the similarities of this passage. And one, for us to know, so many of us have these same feelings as Jonah and David did. We're not alone in that. God has done so much. He has come like 99% of the way, and he's just waiting us for us to turn around and just go that 1%. We're the ones that are refusing to turn to him. We are stomping the ground like Jonah is like a little child. It's our turn to simply acknowledge he's never left us. God could have easily let Jonah sink into the depths of the sea and die, but he provided a fish that was there. And even though Jonah ran for him and him, he still provided for Jonah. We don't have to wait till we feel like our life is fading away to remember God in our prayers. And that is the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus. His presence of his spirit is always with us. And so that's why it's so fortunate for us. So we take a moment to acknowledge that. The magnitude of that is so comforting that even in our weakness, we can say, you are God. You can say when you're feeling like, God, there is this diagnosis, yet you lift me up, you are there. God, I don't understand why this is happening, yet you lift me up, you are there. When I cannot do this on my own anymore, where I can't see a way out, you lift me up, you are there. I can't promise that change is gonna happen just because you like prayed this magical prayer. But what is happening is that there is a change that is occurring in your heart deep within, reminding yourself that God is with you and he has never left your side. Jonah continues to say that my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple, those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. We can understand Jonah's animosity for the Ninevites that Greg talked about last week, they were just like wretched people. And I'm sure when you think about just like a horrible person, I'm sure someone comes to mind for each of us. And we just feel like that person just doesn't deserve mercy. That feeling Jonah had was a huge part of the story. He felt like this person, this group of people, they deserved all the wrath of God that he has to offer. The city and its people, they clung to worthless idols. But when we look back in the mirror, it's there that we see ourselves putting things and people or maybe even ideas that have no eternal value on a pedestal in our life. We allow pride and ego and our desire to be a good person frame our prayers. We hold our jobs and our passions and our comfortability above God at times because that's what we're striving for, right? To be comfortable, to be happy. Maybe it's knocking down the idol of what we think God is supposed to be doing and what he actually is about. We can't put God in a box and just hold him up in this little box when we say, well, I need you right now. Like I said, this book of Jonah, it is meant to mess with our internal ideas. Because everyone we meet in this book of Jonah, the sailors who are in the first chapter, the Ninevites, and even the king, we imagine them a certain way. 
But in reality, when we read this story, their actions are actually the opposite. We're all clinging to these idolic ideals that we didn't even realize have taken priority and they've kind of just rested as a home in our heart. The kind of prayer that moves the heart of God is one that takes the time to break off these chains of idols that don't even matter and return our focus back to him. The one who is true, the one and only God of value that gives us unlimited grace. And because of what God did, Jonah starts rejoicing and praising God inside the belly of the fish. And he says, but I will sing to you and sacrifice to you with a voice filled with thanksgiving. That's a pretty crazy thing to think of, right? This prophet who didn't listen is in the most weird spot, uncomfortable, and now he's willing to sacrifice and praise to God for being so good. Do you think you could do that? I know many of you are probably in a different, difficult season or scenario right now, and you feel like there is no way that you could bring yourself to praise him, and for that matter, sacrifice anything else of yourself. I believe that kind of prayer that moves the heart of God is an honest one that's willing to still praise God even in the pain, to be willing to see just the tiny moments of his goodness. The kind of prayer that moves the heart of God is one who can repent. It literally just means let's say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that you sacrifice your own desire to try to do it on your own to sacrifice the desire that you just, I really just want to run away from you. To just lean on him and trust on his own understanding when we don't see a way out. Chapter two ends with pretty satirical verse. It's very odd. It says, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, God could have just let the fish spit him out into the ocean But again, this shows how much God cares about Jonah. He still believed Jonah could fulfill his original request to him to go to Nineveh. And that's something to be grateful for because it helps us know as a reader that God is still for the broken. He's for the vomit-covered people who take a long time to remember him. Sometimes we have to be on the inside of a situation in order for us to change our perspective and know that he is for us. There are people and stories all over the Bible that help us understand that and they reflect their stories back onto us because at some time or another, all of us are gonna be inside the belly of the beast a time or two. As we finish up this chapter, we can ask, okay, I understand what this has to do with me and how I can apply this to my life. But what about Jesus? Like, how does this story of Jonah tie into the big picture of the Bible? Well, you can see for yourself in Matthew 12 when Jesus was talking about the sign of Jonah. So we see Jonah running away from God's task at hand, and God doesn't relent. He uh, has Jonah end up in what feels like death for three days, and then he's brought back to life so Jonah can fulfill what God asks. So in contrast, we all, at one time or another, are gonna run from God. That's just the reality of us being human. But God doesn't relent. 
He keeps pursuing us, and he sent his son Jesus to complete the task at hand. He was crucified, and then he was buried in death, Sheol, for three days, and then he was brought back to life so that we, in our brokenness, we can be given grace and mercy, just like he did for Jonah and the Ninevites. Jesus said that we can pray at any time. Are we able to move the heart of God? It's possible. But I believe that God is just allowing this heart change for ourselves in the end. So as you pray or talk to God this week, I'd like you to think about one of these things. Maybe it's needed in your prayer. Are you on the inside of a problem? Is it time to change your perspective? Do you need to stop being bitter? Because God's actually with you. Is it time to break the chains off these idols in your life that don't really matter? Do you need to repent? Say, I'm sorry. And just sacrifice that desire to do it all on your own. You know, when we are in the deep end of life, it feels like you're treading water, like you are exhausted, and you cannot do it on your own anymore. And as you desperately try to stay above the surface, the lifeguard doesn't say, maybe next time. He just jumps right in after you, and he says, I'm with you. And he holds up that red floaty thing that they have. So he just says, just rest and be still. And he pins on that. Sometimes we make prayer harder than it has to be. It's a two-way street. We do not have to tread water alone. We can be still and know that God is with you. He's never left you. He's for you, even when you feel like the darkness, Sheol, is just pushing in on all sides, it's not the end. You can confidently pray to him so that your heart starts to sync up with the heart of God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with me or hear any of my previous messages, please visit daniellezaptank.com for details. Here are two reflection questions from our time listening about Jonah. Number one, are you on the inside of a problem? I'd love for you to journal about how you might change your perspective today. Number two, have you come to a place where bitterness has grabbed a hold of your heart? I know a lot of us don't want to believe that, but it is so true. So take some time in prayer to search that out and respond to God if that is you. One easy way you can support the Parable Podcast is simply by sharing it with a friend. If you could pass this episode along today, that really helps people find out about these parables and, and hear the message and intent of this message today. Thank you so much to my technical producer of a husband, Eric, for making me sound so brilliant. That'll do it for today. I'm grateful that you took the time to spend it with me. Remember, your parable showcases how you can break through the bitterness. We'll see you back again next week on the Parable Podcast. Parable Podcast.